You're listening to the Recovering Religion Podcast, a show where I explore religion through my new experience. This is my personal unconversion therapy outlet, so I hope you enjoy today's episode. Uh, for more information about me and what I'm trying to do through this organization, um, you can always visit Religion Recovery, that's all one word, R-E-L-I-G-I-O-N-R-E-C-O-V-E-R-Y.com in your web browser, and uh, thanks again for your support. to the Religion Recovery Podcast. This is episode number two, which is called The Pastor. So without further ado, here we go. Um, well, I guess I would start my story today on this episode um, because it kind of reminds me of what I'm doing right now. I am sitting here at my desk. It is 6.27 in the morning. By the time this is over, it will be 7, and it is a Saturday, and I am drinking some herbal tea. So if my voice sounds a little gruffy, that's probably why, because it's really, really fucking early in the morning. However, I'm drinking tea, and it reminded me of something. And it was weird, because it just reminded me of this in the last few minutes while I was brewing some water. Here's the story. Here's the tea. <laughs> No pun intended. But here's the tea about it. I remember years ago. This was back on a missions trip in Marysville, Utah. Okay? Some of you who are listening to this may have heard about this trip, or if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me explain. So, to begin with, um, in evangelicalism and in Christianity and everything, where I came from... Um, it was a very common thing to kind of view the world as a very broken place that needs fixing, that needs the intervention of God and his people to be kind of the hands and feet of Jesus. And I'm not downplaying that because I think that that's a very powerful thing. So if I sound like I'm downplaying it, I'm really tired, but I'm, I actually do think that that's one of the, the coolest things in the world is when the church actually does decide to give back. And if you noticed how I worded that, <laughs> is that a lot of times the church doesn't give back because it's it's kind of a parasitic kind of organization. And I'll talk a little bit more about that too, um, with kind of how it is parasitic to its own kind of leaders as well and kind of sucks the life from them a little bit, kind of like a vampiric kind of attitude in my brain. So... I'll get there eventually. But anyways, so to begin with, I'm in Utah because I think that the Mormons need help, right? That's the entire point. <laughs> that was the entire point of going as an evangelical was because, you know, well, you know, some people are fucking crazy, but they're really fucking crazy. And that's really kind of what we thought. Um, that is in no way a definition, though, of how great and nice a people most LDS people are. So a lot of this mindset and shit talking that we used to do is really, really off color when you start looking at it the deeper you go. And kind of the longer I've been out of it, it's it's kind of become more and more gross, kind of my thinking on it before about what I thought of other religions, especially 
um, now that I'm not in the same religion as when I was judging those people before. Um, so I want to talk tonight about the pastor. Um, and this all kind of started with when I was drinking tea in Utah with one of my buddies named Josh. And um, even though I don't have a cup of Earl Grey tea and I'm not sitting at a foldable table outside of a little small town under a thousand people in Utah, I can definitely kind of relive the moment in my brain. <clears throat> mm. That's some T-S-A-S-M-R for you there. But I, um, I remember because we were sitting out and we were talking about kind of contemplating ministry and talking about kind of this this kind of grandiose idea of ministry and faith and where do you see yourself and all of this stuff. And this is in no way a knock to, to Josh. Actually, Josh is one of the the people I, I look up to the most as a person. And that's, even though I, I may not see eye to eye with him anymore religiously on things, I have nothing wrong with him. So don't take it that way at all. And you know, Josh, I love you. Um, but I remember we were talking and it was so idealistic because maybe this is just me kind of looking back, going full circle with the moment, but um, when I was drinking tea in Utah with Josh many years ago, um, I would have never thought that this was going to be how my life kind of deviated from this this narrative that was set out for me, which was this, you know, evangelical Baptist good boy that, you know, had all this potential with him in ministry, and um, I want to kind of give you guys a little bit of background that don't know me too well as well, um, that that was kind of the, the dream and the fantasy that I was kind of living out for m many other people except for myself. And that was something that I kind of realized after I got out of the mainstream church and after I kind of started my own church, I started realizing very quickly that um, this whole thing is kind of a house of cards that's built on one guy. And, um, it's, and I'm not talking about Jesus, <laughs> far from it. I'm talking about his quote unquote pastors or ministers or priests or whatever, you know, minister ordination thing you want to say. Um, in my mind, it's all kind of the same across the board, regardless of religion or not. It's certain holy people, quote unquote, that teach us things out of a holy book that nobody knows what the fuck to make out of it. That's kind of my take on it. Um, <laughs> I'm, it's not, it's not completely thorough and sorry if I'm a little coarse, but it's, that's, that's the truth though. Um, I believe that the pastor is kind of this big staple in Christianity that was kind of my idol in a way. It was this, <clears throat> this title and this position <clears throat> pardon my, my uh, voice this morning, but um, it was a it was a title and like a like a position that ended up kind of controlling everything about me and kind of controlled my future, controlled my friends, controlled everything. And um, I never would have thought that it all kind of was going into motion even back then when I was sipping tea. Um, and I view it that way because I think that religion in a lot of ways, even though it's not intentional necessarily, it 
can prey on people that are less likely to kind of tell that you're being manipulated. And I feel like there's a lot of that that goes on within ministry too. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that. So to kind of go back into the kind of the topic for tonight, I should say for this morning, God, God almighty. Um, See, I can't use expressions like that anymore because I don't even, <laughs> I don't even know what to say of it. <laughs> do I say it? Do I? Do I not? I don't know. Am I actually offending someone? I don't really know. But anyways, let me let me talk a little bit about my story here and what ministry was kind of like for me because I was a pastor. If you didn't know that, for many years, I don't know how many, but I wasn't like over ten years, or I think I was close to like six or seven, I thought. I, if I'm wrong, I'm sorry. It, it really doesn't matter to me anymore how many years I was in it. Um, all I know is that I was very, very heavy, deep on, you know, on the teat of religion for up until this year. And I should say probably until like late last year um, was kind of when I, I things started falling apart, um, at least in my brain. But let me talk about it a little bit, because this is what kind of led up to it. Um, for years and years and years, I served at an Arabic church, which I don't necessarily want to go into too much detail about, just because I, I know a lot of people that are connected to it, and I'd rather not hash out more problems or drama that I don't need to. But I was in a church that wasn't a good fit for me, and I didn't know that until way too late. And part of how I didn't realize that it was affecting me was that many, many, many different times I would be, you know, in charge of locking the building, which I thought was this great, you know, task of, like, responsibility for God's house and stuff. And it's actually just because, you know, most pastors are lazy and want to go home. Um, that's, that's most of the time why past pastoral responsibilities get passed on to youth leaders, other lay people in the church or deacons or whatever, and, you know, or priests or whatever, um, that's kind of why it gets kind of shoved down the line, in my opinion, because they just don't want to deal with it. So these big kind of responsibilities, they try to delegate out, and then they make it look like it's your spiritual privilege to go stack chairs. It's your spiritual privilege to go and pay them $300 to go to a camp that, you know, <laughs> has you not contact your parents for like a week and shit. I mean... <clears throat> it's very, like, it's very crazy looking back on it, what I notice about this stuff. But anyways, so I didn't realize that ministry is is parasitic. And I mean that, like what I was talking about a few minutes ago, is that ministry was very parasitic for me. So it would, it would take from the same supply that I'm supposed to be, you know, taking for myself, right? And it's taking my reserves and giving them to someone else that, um, you know, doesn't deserve it. Um, I think that that's kind of the biggest problem is that as a minister, you're constantly giving and giving and giving and giving, and you're never actually getting anything for yourself, which is why, I mean, look up the statistics for yourself, and I don't want to bore you with, you know, fucking statistics on this, but it's, it's very alarming if you think about it on how many ministers don't stay in Christianity. And I'm a, <clears throat> a test case for that, I would say, in a lot of ways, because I was always the person, and you can ask anyone that's heard me talk about religion in general in the last 10 years, is that, is that 
generally I would say, well, that's because, you know, these people didn't actually believe. And, you know, <clears throat> I, I can't say that that's the truth because I 100% wholeheartedly believed in giving up of literally everything, even down to my reserve energy to other people. And because I think of my own personality type, I'm a cancer and I'm, I'm a very, I like gift giving. I like giving up my time of my energy of my space and everything else and share it with other people that, you know, to make them happy and to make myself happy by seeing them happy. And that's definitely some people pleasing shit. I'm not going to lie. And I, I can see that, <laughs> but it's, you kind of have to be a people pleaser in my opinion to be a good pastor because being a good pastor is kind of juggling, you know, what people need and what they want and kind of diminishing the things that you need and want. And I mean that because it's, it's kind of a balance is that, well, somebody needs counseling on this. Is, is that saying that the counseling problem isn't, you know, valid? No, but at the same time, too, you need to spend time with your boyfriend, right? Or your girlfriend, or your significant other, or yourself, right? Um, religion just kind of seems to fill in all of the calendars in our in our life with something. And that's kind of what I felt for a long time, was that I always felt like I didn't have a free day. Because there's no free days when it comes to serving God, right? You know, amen, brother, but that's... That's the truth. There's no free days to serving God because you think that, you know, somehow or another, by you not not showing up to church, that you weren't a blessing to someone else that may have turned to God if you just would have been there. That's just guilt trip shit. And, and for the most part, like, religion is very good at guilting you to making you feel like you're inadequate, to make you feel like you're not giving enough. Um, and it's very hard to kind of unravel that over the years, I think. And that's what's been kind of my struggle over the years has been, how do I unravel this kind of very narcissistic idea of religion that's kind of all about the consumer, all about the person going to your church, and not really about the people that are supposed to be helping maintain the church, which is the pastors and the other lay leaders and the actual congregation members themselves. Sometimes they have to step in. And help lead a church. I mean, I'll give you a few examples of this because it it just kind of goes to show that people can be very hypocritical, but at the same time, like very judgy and all this other shit too. A, a great a great example of this, which I think you guys will appreciate, because I think it's honest and and you wouldn't expect to hear it from me, especially if you knew me from a few years ago. I was a big fan of a pastor named Mark Triscoll who he has a church out here in Scottsdale now that um, I think it's Trinity Bible. Yeah, I think Trinity Trinity Bible Church or Trinity Church. I think it's the Trinity Church or whatever. But whatever it is. Um, Mark Driscoll had some really good content back in the day, I thought, and was literally kind of the embodiment of the cool, hip preacher. And he did this sermon one time where he talked about how all these other mainstream Christian leaders that are dead, that were really well-renowned in fundamentalism, as like, these are the gurus, these are the people that know their shit, right? Like, if you're like, you want someone to pray for you, you want, like, those people to pray for you, because they're, like, super connected to God, and they have, 
like 5G and shit while we just have 2G here. I mean, don't you want to get your message through to God? Do you want your SMS failure? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's ridiculous. And people treat religion like that where there's a, a guy that apparently knows more than everyone else does about something and that apparently makes him the residential expert on that. And Driscoll was talking about how guys like A.W. Tozer, um, I can't remember anyone else on the top of my head at, you know, before 7 a.m., <laughs> but it was a few, like, mainstream, old-school Christian conservative leaders that ended up, you know, kind of being complete shitheads to their entire family. And I remember specifically because I was like, I don't want to be like that. And I didn't realize that over the course of about, you know, eight years of working in this church, um, and it's not to blame the church necessarily, it's more to blame maybe my mindset, but um, I definitely think that the church had a lot of influence and a lot of control over my mind in a lot of ways too, um, especially when it came to my family. And that was kind of where I want to pick this up and get it back on track here a little bit, is that... I remember because he was talking very specifically about how, you know, your family is so important. Your family is your first ministry. And that was kind of a big thing for me because the environment that I came out of and the church that I was in, you know, marital problems were all over the place galore. And, you know, through so many different people that were going to the church. And that's a big red flag that I noticed that was like, oh, I wonder why we don't talk about you know, marital bliss and all these other things, because it's probably not happening. And it was exactly the case. And what I noticed is that after like all of these years of me going to this church, I ended up actually becoming like the worst version of myself. I feel like that I ever was. And that was being a very religious asshole of a, of a guy to literally anyone else. That's not like a reformed Christian and um, Calvinism and all of these other kind of shitty doctrines that I believed at one time and no offense if you actually do believe them cool for you. Um, but definitely not my thing and not anymore, but it definitely was for a long period of time and it was definitely annoying, but kind of my influence came a lot from Driscoll. And I noticed that he pushed a lot of this kind of agenda of, you know, we need to be better men than men of the past in this shit, right? Come to find out, the guy's been defrauding shit to get in the New York Times bestseller, you know, for his love and sex advice book, which is just, you know, it just spare you a read of, like, the real sex book that he wrote. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, cool, ignore it, doesn't matter. But um, the entire summary is just Christians just trying to talk about, like, masturbation for the first time. And it's, like, 2018 when it came out. Right. Like this is this is stuff that like literally anyone else in like normal society talks about and it's a normal thing. But in Christianity, it's very taboo and whatever. So Driscoll was always very taboo and stuff. But I realized that this guy that was saying, like, we need to be different is actually like no different from anyone else because he actually did the exact same thing and then took no accountability for anything that he did. And this isn't, of course, to bash him. It's just to show you that no matter how long you've been a pastor, there's there's going to be some level of inconsistency when you're comparing yourself 
to God and your people. Especially, too, if you're neglecting certain things in your family or certain things in your ministry that you shouldn't be. And that was the thing, is that it's always a balancing act with being a pastor. And what happened was, is that with Driscoll, as it happened with a lot of other pastors that I know personally, too, is that they couldn't manage their church life and their personal life because it became so much of an idol, if you want to use the Christian terminology for it, it became so much of a blockage, can I say, <laughs> um, for them to worry about their church attendance size, for them to worry about, um, you know, people's actual issues or budget problems or whatever. So what eventually happened is that there's one list of paperwork or one group of paperwork that piles up on your desk one day, and then the next day it's people work. And it becomes more about kind of trying to give half-assed efforts to both. And what ended up happening is that he wasn't able to pull it off for very long, and or he did for a while, I should say, but he had a good run, and then eventually it fell through. And it's crazy because I feel like I, I kind of called it like religion recovery specifically because I feel like in a way it's kind of being a junkie in a way. And, and I'm saying that because like, no offense, but I feel like in a way it's my, my junkie habit is religion. And I always want to go back to it if it's in a dark alley or whatever, because I am like, Oh, somebody's selling religion. Oh, I'm interested. It's, it's almost like a, very big trigger for me to be interested in anything religious because it was my entire world. Um, I'm saying all that though, because being a pastor to me was everything. And when my idols in the faith, so to speak, if I can say that just kind of failed to meet that time and time again, I realized like, man, if these guys can't do it, I sure as fuck can't do it. And I remember like, I was like, oh, man, I saw how he messed up and, I don't want to do that. So what I'm going to do is I'm, I want to make sure that I'm following and living in these pastoral qualities, right? Which you can gather from the new Testament and the Bible, and you can go do your own research on that. Um, I'm not a pastor anymore, so I don't have to tell you, <laughs> you can go research it for yourself and read other books too, that aren't just the Bible about it too. Cause there's a lot of other like really open religions that are not, um, exclusively, like male dominated teachers that teach everything. So, um, just so you know, there's like a lot of other open perspectives on this shit than you think. Um, I remember now this sounds really weird and kind of like I was in a cult and maybe I was, Hmm. I'm going to sip my tea there and leave that there for a second to ponder. But yes, I consider it that it was very cult like for sure. If it wasn't a cult a hundred percent, even though I kind of consider it, it was, um, a lot of it was kind of based around this performance that I had to give all the time, which being a young gay guy in Christianity, um, there's not a lot of room for people like us, and especially for us to be honest at all. And one of the things that I couldn't get past is the one phrase in, in of being a pastor is that you can't have anything that's able to be used against you or you, you can't have anything be held against you as in nothing's able to stick to you. Like no accusation is able to stick to you. And I knew like deep down <laughs> that if, if several people in Farmington found out about me 
or if some of the people in Phoenix found out about me because I opened up with them and told them that, you know, either I had feelings for them or that I was gay and, you know, I was into guys, it was very rarely shared and it was very, like, um, complicated, our relationship afterwards. So I didn't share that at all, literally with hardly anyone. And I would always come back to that because I was like, man, if is this why, like, is this like God's way of keeping me humble? Because in, in terms of ministry, I have a lot of good potential and I did. And I, you know, in, in many ways, people still think that I do. And I appreciate that. Thank you. But I, that's not where I want to end up anymore is I don't want to be in religion anymore. I, I need to get out of it. <laughs> and this is why I'm doing this whole thing is to kind of get out of it and not to have it rule my brain as much as it did. Um, but, you know, like, I don't know, guys, what, what I was thinking was I had a, a picture frame, okay, that had a blank piece of paper on it, and it was blank except it had, like, I think, I think it was, like, First or Second Timothy or something like that, which is a book in the New Testament um, that kind of details out the qualifications for a pastor. I remember I hung that up above my desk every day. And I would look at it every day when I'm writing my sermons, when I was, when I was like studying the Bible or, you know, if I was trying not to jerk off, um, whatever, I would constantly go back to that thing of like, man, you're a piece of shit. (laughs) Because like, you're like, how dare you? Like you have a picture of Jesus in your room and stuff too. Like you're, you're a dirty, rotten person, you know, if you don't live up to these kind of standards and I was thinking to myself, like, where did that come from? Where did the pressure come from? And where exactly can I trace that back to? And I really think it's kind of how we're all kind of indoctrinated in Christianity in a lot of ways, just to never question pastors. It was never to question authority, not to not to ask too many questions, because if you ask too many questions, you might be doubting, and we can't have you doubt, right? because, <laughs> you know, faith is faith is supposed to be a confident expectation that God is in control. And yes, I was quoting from an actual pastor that said that, is that that's, that's a common throwaway nothingness bumper sticker phrase. That means nothing. Like, that does nothing for me in my life anymore. Like, hearing that, that does nothing for me, dude. Um, but anyways, I was I was thinking, like, what exactly did did this have an effect on me? How was it parasitic? Because ministry was pretty much just the love of my life instead of my family. And I wrote down earlier here this morning, I was like, what ministry was like on me, my family, and I put in my love life. Oh my God. Um, I wasn't able to go on a normal date with someone that I was actually interested in romantically. Um ever, ever, I mean, ever until like this year, it was like this year after I came out, then I finally felt like I could hold my boyfriend's hand. I could kiss my boyfriend in public. I could do these things that were so anathema, which is damned to hell. That's what it means. If you don't know what that term means, but it's so anathema, right? 
to, I use like these preacher terms sometimes, so that's why I'm defining it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't mean to talk down to you as a listener, but um, that's kind of where, where I think my mindset came from was like these weird little things, like keeping a blank piece of paper of pastoral qualifications. And the whole idea of that, right, was to kind of convict me of saying that I should know these by how I live. I don't need to write them out. I need to know them how I live. Right. Which is actually pretty practical if you think about it. Like I am the sum of what I do. I, I want to I want to be able to reflect exactly how I feel with what I'm doing. That's that's kind of like the practic practicum guide of it. Um, and I put in here the last note on here that what ministry or being a pastor was like for me um, was pain. And I don't think you guys have ever heard this perspective from me on it because I don't talk about it, but I was fully aware what the Bible teaches about homosexuals like myself. I'm well aware of all the verses. So like anybody that tries to send me a verse or send me, you know, thoughts or traveling mercies or whatever else you want to throw up there, um, I know all of those. That's, I, I get that. Um... I even understand, like, the theological implications of a lot of the things that I'm saying on this. Yes. Um, could that be problematic for me? Yes, if I if I did believe that it could be problematic for me, sure. But I, I don't see that anymore. Um, I see more of this, this kind of existence that I was living in that was so self-serving um, to literally everyone else except for myself that I kind of stunted my own growth as a man, as a, as a person, as a whole. Um, and, and I, I, that's something that I'm going to have to keep working through on my end. Right. Um, and I put it in here as kind of a summary because I was like, you know, how do I sum up pastors to kind of sum it up? Because, this week we're going to talk about pastors, and I'll probably do another one this week too, but we're going to talk next week, which this is part one of part two of this. So I'm kind of diving in a little deeper because I, I got your feedback. For those of you that gave me some feedback, thank you. Um, I definitely want to give you some more details too, some more of my story too, so you're not kind of flying, you know, with no radar here with me. Um, but this week we're going to talk about, you know, of course, just with me being a pastor and all of that shit. Next week is we're talking about, you know, what I'm calling the liar, which is kind of that it's a part two to this, which is what was what were the lies I was telling myself to be accepted? Right. And so just back on topic here. I know all the verses. I know that shit. And one of the painful things for me was knowing that I know where I would be going according to literally anyone that takes a reasonable approach to reading the Bible literally, even remotely literally. Um, I know I would go straight to hell 100%. There would be no doubt in my mind according to conservative Baptist fundamentalism that I grew up in that where I would be going. Um, and I was fully aware of that, and I still believe that, that even if I did go to hell... I I would do it anyways because I believed in who Jesus was and I believed in in his people and I believed in helping his people even if that meant that I got nothing out of it. 
and I'm not meaning that as like, wow, Tyler's a, a, a selfish, selfish, you know, self-righteous prig, really. But no, I'm, I'm just telling you that because I, I want to be honest. But that's I, I had to live with that, like on a daily basis of me going to sleep knowing that if people opened up my phone and saw my grinder account that I used to have before I was dating, um, you know, how would I explain that? How would my life look different? And they would tell you things like these stories that were very kind of manipulative in a way, but it'd be like leaving a legacy. Like you want to leave a legacy, like a, I can't remember if it was like Malachi or I can't remember what it was, but it's something of like living to, you living life God's way to leave a legacy. And it was, um, you know, there was a, a Marine who um, didn't look at porn and he was a really godly guy and had a worn out Bible and stuff. And, um, you know, the, when they went through his locker after an IED exploded on the side of like a road going to Baghdad, he, his body was taken and, you know, his mom had to go through his locker and take out his stuff. It was very traumatic and very horrible and condolences that was that's rough for sure um but kind of like where it gets manipulative is like saying you know i went in and um yeah i saw like his dog tags on there and it had a bible verse on it and that's how i know that like he for sure was living this out and i, I just gotta be honest with you like in, in no disrespect for the people that have gone through this shit or similar things, but just because you're very good at hiding something does not necessarily um, grant you that status of being a, a good Christian when you die. Like, there's so much shit that people hide. So much shit that people hide. And the, the worst shit for me, thank God, was just me being gay. And, which is a pretty big thing. For sure, especially in my world, it was pretty big. Um, but that was a thing for me that I that I had to kind of wrestle with on my end. Um, and knowing that God was probably going to send me to hell, that God's people would totally reject me if they found out that who I really was. And at some points, I, I was so scared that I didn't come out, and that was why I didn't come out for such a long time. And it was just, it was just really, really you know, rough in general for me. Being a pastor over the years, I dealt with a lot of drama. I dealt with a lot of people that um, I am trying to forget about. Um, and a lot of people that really hurt me badly um, and kind of tore my heart out of my chest when I kind of put everything out there for these people. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know what else to really... To, to give you on that other than for me, even though if you were a part of my ministry, you did get a lot out of it. I'm glad you did. Um, I wish I got as much out of it as you got out of it. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad, but it's just the truth is that the church was parasitic of my family was parasitic of my time was parasitic of my love life where I couldn't do or express anything of individuality it was all just the collective it was all the church it was all i think star trek with like the borg and stuff like it's all a hive mind kind of bullshit and 
I was so worried about pleasing the pastor and so worried about setting up the chairs the right way that um, when my family was in town, I wouldn't spend time with them. You know, or I'd be late, like, by six hours hanging out with them because, you know, I had to go and cover for a lazy youth pastor that didn't prepare messages, right? <laughs> no, all tea, all shade. It's true, though. But I'm just being honest. Like, when people don't prepare shit in Christianity, sometimes we have these, like, go-to bags as pastors, just as a pro tip for you. We have these, like, sermons that we've taught that we think are, like, the shit, right? And I can't say we anymore, I'm not, but that, that I used to think was the shit. And it's, and you know, they, they're good messages. They're like some of your best ones. It would be like a public speaker or like a musician performing their favorite number that people love. It's that kind of shit. So when we're talking about that, that's like um, a lot of times the kind of work that really goes into what is being said behind the pulpit there's sometimes there isn't a lot of work that goes behind, um, behind what you're hearing all the time. Um, the last couple things I was going to say just to kind of end on a, a positive note, because we're getting to the positives here, just stick with me. Um, but we are getting there. Um, what I want to leave you with though today, because this was like, it's heavy stuff. And to sum it up though, really this way, if you're a pastor or not, or if you want to be a pastor or not, or if you want to go to church or not, I did. I don't care. And, and I want you to be happy. And if you are happy going there, then keep going. Don't let me dissuade you from going there. Um, if you like a pastor, even if you like Mark Driscoll, then keep listening if you like him. It's up to you. It's all about your preference and what you like and what your mind is telling you is right. It has nothing to do with me. Um, I appreciate that you're listening and I appreciate that you value what I think, but ultimately that's, that's your call, man, or girl <laughs> or person. That's your call. And I can't make that choice for you. Pastors though, to sum it up are like this, either they are enlightened or they are, they are enlightening, I should say, or they are envious towards your spiritual path. So I'll repeat that again. Pastors are either enlightening or they're envious of your spiritual path. And what does that mean? And I'll define it this way, is that I think for the most part that a lot of pastors can do a lot of good. That's where the enlightening comes in. It can make your life a better, a better place to live every single day when you go home because you know, you're happy and you have a common faith with, you know, your spouse or your loved one or whatever with your family that you're connected with something common and that you, that you trust. That's a good thing. That's enlightening. There are times too, when you'll get some crazy experiences. I was talking with, um, one of my friends that I, I won't name on here because of his associations, but, um, one of my friends that is, uh, currently pursuing, um, in the medical, um, program, he is, he was telling me about how there's a lot of crazy eye-opening experiences as well when you deal with psychedelics and all of that stuff, which, by the way, we're going to talk about that eventually, too. We're going to talk about all kinds of shit on here, what I want to do, because I think that it all is semi-related to consciousness and religion in a way, and so that's why I think it's relevant. So we'll talk about it eventually, and like, has this stuff helped you? Has it helped me? Um... I've never done that, but it's we'll, we'll talk about maybe other methods that I have tried that have helped, 
and maybe other ways that will help you out. Um, but that will be for another, like, eye-opening stuff, and we'll get all woo-woo there. Um, but however, um, I was just going to end with, no matter what your spiritual path is, you know, either if it's going to church regularly, or if it's not going to church and being agnostic or atheist, whatever, um, your spiritual path is your journey to walk alone. The pastor is supposed to accompany you, in my opinion, to help you on that road that you feel is best for you. Um, the pastor is not supposed to be pushing you to just sell his religion, in my opinion. The pastor is going to help you and should be there to help you, even when the, even when no one else is. And that's what I think made me a, a good pastor for many years, was that I was that kind of listening ear to people. I was that, um, that person that cared about them, even if they weren't in Christianity in, in, anymore. And even though, like, maybe I lost touch with some people that were like that, for the most part, I, I still viewed them as family somehow. And that's what I want you to view people as, is that people that agree with you or disagree with you on what you think or what you hear on the podcast, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, we are family overall. We are family. And my religious brothers and sisters and my non-religious brothers and sisters, we all have one thing in common. You're breathing, right? Obviously, if you've made it this far, hopefully. But you're breathing. And that breath is so precious because it means that you have another fresh day here on this earth, on this little thing that is so minuscule in the entire universe, right? You're here. That's what we have in common is that we're all not dead yet. And that's fucking amazingly optimistic and at the same time scary, right? Because <laughs> it's implying that we will someday. But I don't want you to focus on that. Like, what I want to give you advice on, if it helps you, or to help you kind of on your week this week when you listen to this, or this weekend, um, I, I want you to focus on, like, what are the things that you have in common with these people? Because even though I don't agree with most of anything in religion anymore, I can still find that there are a few good people there. That there are good people. Is it sometimes the sum total of what someone believes is not that actual person? That's not necessarily who they really are all the time. I would love that to be the case all the time. But that's not always the case. Sometimes people don't practice what they preach. And sometimes people put on masks because they're afraid of leaving their religious community or leaving their kind of way of thinking and what people are going to say about them. But that's for you to decide. Your life doesn't need to be determined by those people or by a few naysayers or whatever. Um, I feel like, I just felt like I had to tell, tell that to you, but I, I hope that wherever you're at listening to this, driving or sitting down or whatever, um, just know that I... I value you, and this isn't an attempt to get anything from you. I don't want you, I don't want anything from you. Um, I I want you to know that that like I really hope, and part of the reason why I'm doing this show is that, and why I'm doing it so early is because I'm actually kind of motivated by it, 
because even though I sound tired as fuck, so I'm sorry, but I am actually really motivated on this shit because I don't want people to end up kind of in the same spot as me and kind of waste those years doing that. And nor do I kind of want to waste my life either just kind of de decompressing on this shit either. I want to get to the point where, like, we get to a certain episode and we're all like, well, let's just talk about, like, aliens or something else. <laughs> like, something interesting else other than religion, too, someday. That would be great, wouldn't it? Uh, well, uh, a gay boy can dream. But I hope that wherever you are, wherever you find yourself listening to this, that you know that you are loved. And if you don't feel love from anyone in your life, um, just know that I, I, I do believe, in my opinion that if there isn't a God or if there is a God or not, is that whatever holds all of the universe together, which is, I think, just, you know, force or whatever it is, is something that can also tie beautiful things together. And I think in my brain, that's kind of, that's kind of nice. And maybe it's not perfect, but it's nice. And <laughs> that's kind of a, you know, the best way to end a show, but please just know that if you're still here, there's a reason why you're here. And go on that path, go on your spiritual path, either with a pastor's help or not, and go find who you really are, not who you were in this religion, not who you are now as just directly opposed to it, but where are you with this whole subject in general right now the good the bad the ugly everything just kind of evaluate where you are and realize that if you're still breathing there's a reason why you're here and i hope that you find that and i hope maybe that this show helps you with that um i can't promise that but hey um i i'm not selling a religion here so i'm not going to promise you something i can't keep <laughs> but anyways i hope that i hope that wherever you're listening to um, where you find this at, we're going to get, um, at least iTunes up and run and everything, or I should say the podcast app, but, um, no, it's Apple podcast. I'm an Apple user and I don't even get the shit right. So there you go. But I've already gone over. So I wish you all the best and I hope you guys have a really happy and peaceful rest of your weekend out there. All right. Stay tuned. We got episode three coming up here soon. And that's going to just be about the liar, which is um, me talking about a little bit about lying on how to be accepted over the years, which I definitely did a lot of lying and I could kind of unpack a little bit more of those for you at that time. So thank you all. Love you. And uh, yeah, stay tuned and subscribe if you haven't. Share it, whatever. Cool. Love you all. Bye.